You're listening to a sermon preached at Sojourn Midtown. Welcome to our sermon series, The Holy Spirit, Presence With Us. Join us as we explore the person and work of the Holy Spirit and how His presence in our lives empowers us to live a life of faith and witness. Discover how the Holy Spirit can transform us and guide us into a deeper relationship with Him. Peace be with you. Today's scripture reading is Acts 2, 1 through 8 and 14 through 18. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along on the screen behind me. Hear the word of the Lord. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each one of them. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were Jews staying in Jerusalem, devout people from every nation under heaven. When this sound occurred, a crowd came together and was confused, because each one heard them speaking in his own language. They were astounded and amazed, saying, Look, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each one of us can hear them in our own native language? Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and proclaimed to them, Fellow Jews and all you residents of Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and pay attention to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only nine in the morning. On the contrary, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. And it will be in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all people. Then your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. I will even pour out my spirit on my servants in those days, both men and women, and they will prophesy. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, peace be with you. Man, what a joy it is to be with you all uh, this morning and uh, this, this uh, holiday weekend to see all of you just prioritizing, worshiping together. And what a powerful, exciting uh, scripture text that just was read about the day of Pentecost. And for some of us, even just hearing that, it just brings up all kind of questions and all kind of things. And I get the joy of explaining that to you. But before we uh, dive into the explanation and the applying of that text, I just want us to pause and just try for a second to place ourselves mentally in what that would have been like experientially. The day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit poured himself out on 120 disciples in such a demonstrative and powerful way. I want you to pause and imagine that you are there. It's the festival of weeks, one of three festivals for for Israel, where they all, where people will come back and travel to be in Jerusalem and to experience this together. You're with family. There's all types of smells. There's all types of sounds. You uh, may not uh, uh, speak uh, the language that is uh, uh, being spoken of, of those who are from Jerusalem and in Jerusalem. But all of a sudden, you hear a commotion, and it's violent, it's mighty, It sounds like a gush of just continuous wind. 
I want you to imagine you're running to where the sound is coming from and suddenly pouring out of a house is a, a lot of people. They're Galileans. But you're understanding what they're saying in your native language. They are all kind of uh, speaking as if there is a divine interpreter. And there's this joy, this electricity, this excitement. And as you stand with your family and next to your family, people seem to be confused. Some are saying these people are drunk, even though it's 9 a.m. Others are saying this seems significant. This seems like this means something. And you're there wondering what is happening. And as you wonder what's happening, you look into the crowd of those who are preaching and you're listening closely. And someone says, those are the people who were with Jesus. The one who was just crucified about 50 days ago. Those are the people who are Jesus' followers. What in the world is going on? And that's the, that's the point of Acts chapter 2. In the book of Acts, this question, even in the passage that we just read, is asked, what does this mean? Why the wind? Why the fire? Why the divine uh, interpreter uh, working through lips of ordinary people to preach Jesus? And that's simply what I want to answer today on Pentecost Sunday. I want to answer why is it significant? Why was it significant then? Why is it significant now? What was God doing then? What is God doing now? Not just in the global churches, people are gathered all over the world right now celebrating, but specifically here at Sojourn Midtown. How does Pentecost impact us? What do we do with it? How do we live in light of it? And today I simply want to share a prayer that I've been praying all week as we've been looking at this passage and we'll be unpacking it uh, quite a bit. And this prayer is this, is that the Lord would awaken us to the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit so that we would be and continue to become a vibrant unified and diverse church. As we look at Pentecost Sunday, in essence, this is what we're looking at. We're looking at the birth of the New Testament church. And we're praying that the Holy Spirit will pour himself out on us here at Sojourn, here in Shelby Park, here in Louisville, so that we will continue to be a vibrant, compelling community that is unified and diverse for the glory of Jesus. Would you pause and pray with that with me? Father, thank you so much for this Pentecost Sunday. I pray that your Holy Spirit, who is already present, who is indwelling us, will fill us up together as we receive the preaching of the word. Not to us, not to us, but to your name give glory. Even now, O oh God, in the mighty, wonderful name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And the church said, Amen. Amen. All right, so we've talked about uh, a little bit uh, earlier about what Pentecost is, and I just want to uh, just reaffirm what this, day, what this day is. Pentecost is a celebration for Israel. It was a celebration for the Jews of God's provision, and it occurred 50 days after Passover. 50 days after Passover, people will flood uh, back uh, into the, their, their motherland and they will celebrate God's provision in what's called the Feast of Weeks or the Feast of Harvest. 
And so for the Jewish people, it was a celebration that meant joy and feasting and wine. Now for the New Testament church, this is a significant moment. Um, And as we are concluding this portion of our series on the Holy Spirit, starting a new series uh, uh, next week, we want to see that Pentecost was significant for us because it was the the Spirit pouring Himself out on uh, the disciples and those who saw a resurrected Jesus um, in such a powerful and a demonstrative way in order to say and to signify that the new covenant has begun, uh, God's kingdom is here. God's kingdom is here. And God does this in a way in which um, is beautiful, but in a way for some of us um, is scary. Tony Marita, when answering the question, why is Pentecost significant, gives a, a great definition in Exalting Jesus to Acts that I want to follow his thoughts um, with this sermon. He says, listen, Pentecost means four things. It means prophecy has been fulfilled. The last days have dawned. Everyone can know God intimately and should know him, make him known faithfully. I love that. Pentecost means prophecy has been fulfilled. The last days have dawned. Everyone can know God intimately and should make him known faithfully. So imagine you're back in that crowd. You see, you hear the commotion. You all of a sudden hear people who shouldn't be uh, just naturally crossing linguistic barriers, crossing those barriers. It's obvious that the the Holy Spirit is doing something that God is, is working or to some and to others it's like, hey, these people are drunk. Something crazy is happening. But the question is asked in the text, what does this mean? And Peter and Luke rather is going to say, this is what this means. And we see what it means because Peter is going to preach a sermon in which by the end of the sermon, 3000 people are going to repent and follow Jesus. And the sermon in essence says Pentecost Peter says, means four things. One, it means that prophecy has been fulfilled. He's going to stand up and he's going to preach a text from the book of Joel, from Joel chapter two. And this is what verse 17 says. And it will be in the last day, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all people. Then your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. This prophecy has been fulfilled Joel had this vision along with um, Old Testament prophets that the Spirit of the Lord will be poured out on people in such a, a, a beautiful and demonstrative way. And this will signify that a God's kingdom has been ushered in. There's a, a new era. There's a, a new time. And it would flow his spirit not only on uh, his people, Israel, but it would flow through them to the nations. And this was prophesied throughout the Old Testament. Peter stands and he preaches this specifically to the crowds who are wondering what is going on. Why do we have this miraculous wind and this miraculous fire? Now, throughout the book of Acts, what ends up happening is it's it's actually showing how the Spirit did just this, how the Spirit moved from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to Turkey to Europe and By the end of Acts to Rome, God is fulfilling prophecy. Second, it's the dawn of a new age. It's the dawn of a a new age. Look at verse 17. It says, and it will be in the last days. What does the last days mean? Whenever you read the last days in the scriptures, you're reading um, the author saying the last final redemptive 
a period, the last final redemptive period. Uh, God has us wrapped in a story as we read the Bible. It has a beginning. It has a middle. It, it has a ending. And here we're in the fourth quarter of God's divine story. Jesus, the coming Messiah, who is also master, has lived, he's died, he's rose from the grave. He is now seated and ascended unto heaven. The last step of redemptive history is for him to return and make everything right with the world. And we should marvel at this as we celebrate Pentecost because we are in the last days. We are in and experiencing the last era of God's redemptive story, awaiting the return of Jesus awaiting for him to make all things right. Now, I just want us to pause, and I think we should marvel at this, that this is the fourth quarter of, redemptive, uh, of the redemptive story, and that God has allowed each of us to be born, and not only born, but born again for such a time as this. God has allowed us to be a part of his church so that we can fulfill the mission of Jesus This is the fourth quarter. God has saved you. God has made you alive now, not back in the the times of the judges, but now. (laughs) He's put you in the game. He's put me in the game to do what this crowd was doing as people gathered around. Look at the text and what it says these people were doing. Verse 12, and they all were... uh, astounded and perplexed to one another saying, what does this mean? And right before this, says, it says that, that we hear them declaring the magnificent acts of God in our own language. They were preaching the magnificent acts of God. They were in the game in the fourth quarter entrusted with this good news about Jesus, having witnessed him and preaching about him. And I think for us, that is a great encouragement and a reminder that we As Jesus often talked about in the parables, we must stay alert. We must be found ready as those whom God has entrusted at this point of redemption history to do what Jesus has called us to do. And for those who are not in Christ today, I think that this is an invitation for us to recognize that Jesus is coming soon. And so, as my grandmother would say, to make things right with them. To make sure that we're listening to the words that is being proclaimed about him. And that we are reorienting our lives to center on him so that we can spend eternity in glory with them. So what is the significance of Pentecost? Prophecy has been fulfilled. There's the dawn of a new age. The last days is here. Third, everyone can know God intimately. Look at this passage. Peter is standing up. He's preaching to this crowd. Everybody's wigging out. He's feeling his help, as we would say in the black church. He's like, there's wind and there's fire. It's time to preach. If there was an organist, they would get on the organ and he would just preach, right? He's saying a very specific message. Every single person can know God intimately. Every single person. Look at the text and and the emphasis that he puts on. I will pour out my spirit on all people. And then he says, your sons, your daughters, old men, young men, some will dream dreams, others will prophesy. He's saying, listen, everyone 
can have full access to God and know him intimately. This reminds me of the story of of Moses and the life of Moses. And I remember when I first uh, became a Christian as uh, as a teenager, I would read the accounts of Moses and I would say, man, that's how I want to be with the Lord. Moses recorded <laughs> that he was the uh, friend of God. He was the one who was most humble, right? He knew God. He talked to him face to face and he experienced God in a special way. And growing up, I'm like, man, I want to know God. I want to experience God in a special way. And then as the years go on, you, you read, you get a little knowledge under you, and maybe that doesn't become the goal that you have. It, it, it starts to shift, Right. Um, maybe it's to know more about God or to do more about God. But I love how Moses says, and Moses models for us this intimacy with God. In Numbers chapter 11, it says that Moses was filled with the Spirit. Israel was at a very difficult and a very hard uh, place, and they were constantly complaining. And Moses got the advice to, um, to make sure there were other elders who could come and help shepherd Israel with them. And the Bible says in Numbers chapter 11 that the Holy Spirit um, fell upon these elders and that some of them um, experienced, they experienced some of the Holy Spirit just as Moses did. And that as Israel was all around, they begin to prophesy. Now, in Numbers 11, it says that as they are beginning uh, to prophesy, that people started grumbling and complaining because they only knew Moses to have their relationship with God. Only Moses had all access to God, and now they're seeing all these other people have all access to God. The text says it only happens here. It doesn't happen anywhere else. But listen to what Moses says in number 11. This is Numbers 11. This is absolutely phenomenal. But Moses asked him, are you jealous on my account? The person who was complaining about all these other men being filled with the Spirit. If only all the Lord's people were prophets and the Lord would place his spirit on them. Moses is like, man, I wish that everyone in this congregation, everyone in Israel will have an outpouring of the spirit. That was Moses' prayer. Joe chapter two, Joe prophesies it's going to happen. Luke here is recording. This is when it happens. The Holy Spirit is not just going to pour out his presence on the prophets, on the elders. He's going to pour out his presence on every single person. Anyone who places their faith and trust in Christ, both young and old, will have an intimate relationship with God. They will have full access. They will be able to be friends of God to know him personally. Pentecost is the celebration of the Holy Spirit filling the church It's a celebration of anyone who places their faith and trust in Jesus having full access. Let me break it down. In other words, there's not some of us in here who can know Jesus and have more intimacy with Jesus than others because God is blocking that. (laughs) Pentecost Pentecost is a celebration that we all can intimately know him. Moses wished it. Joe prophesied it. Luke recorded it. And we get to experience it. And maybe you're here today and you just feel distant from God. You don't feel like you have full access to God. I want to encourage you and let you know because of the finished work of Jesus, you have access to God. You have the same amount of access and favor with God as your favorite preacher, your favorite singer, your favorite Christian. 
There's no little eyes and big U's as uh, they used to say when I was growing up. In Christ, we all are a part of his body. We all can commune with him and know him. And if you feel distant from the Lord and you feel like he is not present, I want to encourage you to pray and to cry out Holy Spirit, allow me to cry out, Abba, allow me to know that you are present, that you are with me, that you favor me in Christ just like you favor anyone else, that I belong to you, that you hear me, that you know me, that you love me. And if you're here today and you don't believe that and you are in Christ Jesus, hear me say, in Christ Jesus, you are loved, you are treasured. No matter how young you are or old, nine or 90, no matter your socioeconomic status. In fact, here in Acts, a few chapters later, people are going to marvel that these Galileans who uh, are not formally educated, they say, who are these men who are not educated? And then they say, but one thing is evident that they have been with Jesus. They're becoming just like him. Pentecost is a celebration that prophecy has been fulfilled. It is a, a celebration that we can have this intimacy with God, but it's also a reminder that we have been commissioned because of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit to faithfully make him known. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. This is Jesus. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus, before he ascends and goes uh, to be with the Father, spends 40 days with the disciples, only appears to believers. He preaches himself, Luke chapter 24, constantly from the Old Testament to show how he is the fulfillment of all things. As he is preaching himself uh, to uh, these disciples and getting ready to leave, he says, I need you all to wait on the Holy Spirit. Because when the Holy Spirit comes, you will receive power. And what will you receive power to do? You will receive power to be my witnesses. And that's what we see here, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. All of these persons who were in this house when the Spirit came becomes Christ's witnesses. And the same is true for me and you. If you are in Christ, God has saved you. God has redeemed you. God has transferred you out of the darkness and brought you into his marvelous light. God has given you a testimony. He has opened your eyes so that you may see and know Jesus so that you would become his witnesses. In fact, if you look at the text, we see that he says the young and the old will prophesy. They will have visions and they will have dreams this is a testimony. He's saying that every single person now who is in Christ has, can know him intimately and now can join him on mission. I'm going to say that again. That's what Joe's prophecy means. Every single person who is in Christ Jesus can know Jesus intimately and can make him known. What does it mean to prophesy? Because that throws us a lot off, right? We're like, wait a minute. Young men should prophesy, old men should prophesy. And we think about the Old Testament and we think about people like Elijah, Elisha. We think about Moses. We think about Isaiah. We think about Jeremiah. Our, 
Are you saying that we can hear directly from God and give people like a, 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 a foretelling of what's to come in the future? That's what we think about. I don't think that's what's happening at all. Like what is biblical prophecy in the New Testament? Uh, my understanding is it's what's happening here in this passage. In this passage, it says when the Holy Spirit came, that everyone began to declare the magnificent acts of God. What is prophecy, biblical prophecy? It is declaring the magnificent acts of God. It is telling people about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. And Luke is saying, if you're young and just gave yourself to Jesus, you can do that. If you're old and you're getting ready to say your final breath, you can do that. The believer's call post-Pentecost is to make him known, to be Christ's witnesses. Now, for some of us, that elicits fear. And some of us were crippled by the thought partly because we um, are, are living maybe in fear, partly because we carry guilt, we carry shame. We don't think we know enough. We don't think we're good enough. We don't think we're smart enough. And here's the thing about this 120 that was present in his house. They were ordinary people. They were just like you and me before uh, they met Jesus. They were blue collar workers. And the Holy Spirit filled them and they became witnesses and turned the world upside down. You and I, we are here today because ordinary people believed in the voice of Jesus. They obeyed him and waited on him to pour out his spirit on them. And they, they became witnesses. So what are you saying? All I'm saying is this. <laughs> the Holy Spirit provides us what we need to be as witnesses. Pentecost is a reminder that we're saved by grace through faith, and we're also made witnesses of Jesus by the grace of God through faith. <laughs> Pentecost reminds us that it's not in our own strength or our own ability that we rely on, but it is in the empowerment of the Spirit, which is indwelling us. And as we seek Jesus, as we pursue Jesus, he fills us to live on mission for him where we live, where we work, and where we play. As a church, my prayer is that the Lord would awaken us to the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit for real, for real. Because if we are not living in the Spirit and through his power, we are not going to experience his supernatural work in our lives. It is going to feel constantly as if we have to do things in our own strength rather than him working through us. Holy Spirit, awaken us to your presence. Awaken us to your power. Pour out your spirit. Fill us with your presence so that we can experience you. Yo, Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit comes in power. Three ways that we see his power is evident. One, the text says that he comes in like a rushing wind. Some say a violent wind, a mighty wind. What does that mean? Why did the Holy Spirit choose to manifest himself as wind? We've talked about how wind and spirit can be synonymous. 
all the way back to Genesis chapter 2. When God breathed into Adam, when, when you read it in the New Testament, is representing life. These disciples were in a house together, praying together, waiting on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came in violently and gave them new life. New life. And if you're here today and you do not know Jesus, the message of the Bible is that God loved the world so much that he gave his son so that whoever would believe in him and turn away from their sins and trust in him can have new life, become a new creation. The Holy Spirit brings new life. But it doesn't only come as a wind. He comes as a fire. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit appears as, as, as they were experiencing the Spirit. There was tongues of fire. What is fire? Why fire? Fire represents throughout the Scripture the presence of God. It also represents the holiness of God. As these disciples were committed to obeying Jesus' words, waiting on the Holy Spirit, God was already orchestrating it in the fullness of time. He says, I'm going to wait till all of these people come back to Jerusalem to celebrate harvest, and I'm going to show a new harvest. I'm going to come in like wind. I'm going to come in like fire, and I'm going to do a work. And what does this remind us of? This reminds us of Israel at Mount Sinai. When Moses received this, the old covenant and the law, the Bible says that it was a, a sound of a, a loud trumpet, so a violent, uh, mighty sound of a trumpet. The Bible also says that him receiving the law, that the Lord was present and represented in fire. The New Testament church here in Acts chapter 2, the Spirit comes in with a, large, a loud sound and he comes in as fire in order to say God's kingdom is here, a new covenant is being established. The church of Jesus Christ is being birthed. A third demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power is that when the Holy Spirit is present, barriers are broken. Break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. We sing it, right? There is power in the name of Jesus, right? There is power in the name of... Thank you, thank you, thank you, right? For chains to be broken. Now, how does the Holy Spirit show up and break chains in Acts chapter 2? How does he show it up and break chains? He breaks the language barrier in order to unify people around Jesus so that all these people who are from all regions who are Jewish can hear the message of Jesus preached in their native language. And those who are living outside of Jerusalem can take it, this message, back to where they're from. And this is like a reversal of Babel. At Babel, human sin and human re in, in rebellion, uh, mankind came together, 
disobey God who said, go and fill the earth with my glory. Make and create. Make the earth beautiful. Instead, they, they came to Babel. They built a tower to themselves for their own glory. God confused their language in order for them to go out and do what he said. Here in Acts chapter 2, we see people coming back to Jerusalem who speak various languages. God allows these Galileans to preach Jesus, and the Holy Spirit acts as a divine interpreter, and these persons are able to understand the gospel being preached to them. He breaks the barrier so that there would be unity in this beautiful diversity. All right, I'm about to bring it home. As we celebrate Pentecost today, we're going to put our prayer back up there that we started with. Our prayer is that the Lord would awaken and pour out the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit on us so that we might be vibrant. What does it mean to be vibrant as a believer? At the end of the day, it means to have a, a intimate relationship with Jesus. Jesus says it's to love God with your heart, mind, and your soul. It's to love your neighbor as yourself. It's to, to love them by making Jesus known to them. Our prayer is that, and my prayer for us as a church, is that we all would pursue Jesus and have that intimate relationship with them. It's not always going to feel intimate. And it's not just an individual pursuit. In Acts, we see there's times where there's an individual pursuit and God shows up to Peter on a rooftop. But most of the times in Acts, when you see the church having and receiving um, this intimate moment with the Lord, they are together as a church, praying, eating, breaking bread, living on mission. Here at Sojourn Midtown, we long to be that vibrant church, and it's only going to happen through the Holy Spirit, allowing us to live as a family together. But our prayer is also that we would be unified. That's a theme here in the text. Going back to chapter one, as they are waiting on the Holy Spirit, we read in verse 14, they were all continually united in prayer. They were united. We read this in chapter two, that they were all together in one place. Listen, I believe with my whole heart that the Lord wants to raise us up as a church to be a, a witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ, of the power of the Holy Spirit, that God can unite a people who are diverse, who are different, but who all have one thing in common, and that is Jesus. I pray that the, the Lord would build up a church here at Midtown where people say, man, there are people who are suburban and urban. Uh-oh. There are people who may vote Democrat or Republican. Some of y'all just checked out. Amen. There are people who are rich or poor. They're, they're black. They're white. They're from different backgrounds. They walk different. They talk different. They dress different. 
but they are orthodox in their belief, wrestling with all of these tensions. But what they have in common is they love Jesus. They've been redeemed by him. And they believe that he is not dead. He is alive. And so they pursue him. Now, what's amazing is, is that the Holy Spirit brings this unity. He breaks down the barrier. It is provided for us. And even though we are a fellowship of difference, the Holy Spirit does the same thing. This is not something we make happen in our own strength. This is something that he provides as we pursue Jesus. Philippians chapter 2, have this mind. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to grasp. But instead, he humbled himself as a servant. We pursue unity as we look to Jesus and we see how he lived to serve, how he lived for the glory of Christ. And we pursue it. We press in together, making Jesus our main focus. Him being glorified. Him redeeming. Him renewing. Him working in us and through us for his glory even amidst our diversity. If you go back and you read this text, you see that people are from everywhere, from all regions. And it's as if the Holy Spirit is saying, this is the work of God for us to be a unified but diverse people. And many of you all know that this is a value of Sojourn Midtown diversity. And the reason that it is of value for us, one, is because we're not in a homogenous community, a homogenous area of Louisville. We're in a very diverse area. But I believe that a stronghold in America that we have been pressing into and leaning into is, is, is racism, is division, is people allowing their differences to define them and building walls rather than pressing into, especially in the church, what Jesus has done. And so as a church, we want to be a vibrant church that is living to make Jesus known out of our intimacy with Jesus, but we also want to be a unified and diverse church who is defined by Jesus and our identity in Jesus while we simultaneously appreciate what is true, good, and beautiful in our various cultures. Amen? And I just want to pause real quick because we're about to have roots and recipes after the 11 to give you some context of why we're doing that on Pentecost. As we're celebrating and appreciating how we were raised, our ethnic cultures together, enjoying and experiencing that together, while knowing that Jesus is the center of our fellowship. And we want to cultivate that more and more. And I just want to pause and just praise God for what he has done for us through this church. And it's only the work of the Holy Spirit. In 2016, our church looked very different. We were very homogenous. We praise God that God was working and doing what he was doing. That's amazing. But we felt a need to be more intentional and press into God's vision for the church to reflect our community, but more than that, to reflect heaven. And so we pressed in and God has been doing a work. This fall, we uh, did a survey and it was discovered that there are 23, at least 23, Different languages that's spoken here at our church. Today, right now, 
Our sermon, by God's grace, is being translated for people who are in our church in two languages, in Spanish and Korean. And I want to pause and just give, give the, uh, our Spanish and Korean ministers um, a shout out for all of their work, their hard work to interpret week in and week out so that people can feel welcome who feel called to this church. I want to praise God for uh, the Ramirez's, Jerry and Rebecca, beautiful family. You see them around here, yo, give them some love. We, we don't get to tell them thank you enough and give them enough credit, but, but Jerry is constantly thinking about not just Latino and Latina persons and how they can enjoy this, be a part of this fellowship in their own language, but he's thinking across cultures and saying, how can we, since we've been doing this longer with, with this culture, do this and replicate it for other cultures? And then I want to praise God for the Hongs, Nathan Hong and Grace Hong. Amen. They're incredible. We've got Korean brothers and sisters who are here, who are plugged in, who are participating in every area of our church and it's just growing and it's beautiful. And a lot of that is because this family has and is making sacrifices. I'm sorry, Grace, if this is awkward for you while you translate. Y'all, this is just a small, a very small, this is just the beginning of what I believe God wants to do here in our church, but not just here in our church. He's doing it all over the city. And we're not special. This is what the kingdom of God looks like. This is what it should be like. Us humbly following Jesus together, bringing our brokenness, bringing our full selves with our eyes on Jesus in humility, saying, Christ, build your church, build your people, pour out your spirit in such a way that people will have to conclude one or two things. Either they are drunk or something special is happening and I need to ask more questions. And when they ask more questions, we don't talk about primarily our politics, though the gospel does impact how we vote. We don't talk primarily about our hobbies, although that can be a good bridge to talk to people. We're not talking primarily about us and our background or our vacations. We are looking for an opportunity as humans to use those things to point people to the one who redeemed us, who saved us, who gave us hope, who gives us joy, who can give us peace who's a mind regulator, who died for us, who bled for us, who defeated death and on a third day got up with all power and who says, I am coming back again. We need the Holy Spirit to awaken us. We need the Holy Spirit to indwell us and to fill us so that we would be under the influence, but not alcohol, under the influence of Jesus, so that we'll walk like him and talk like him, so that we'll pray like him and, and build like him, so that we'll forgive like him, so that we'll sing like him, so that we'll be like him, transformed from glory to glory. Holy Spirit, we need you in this place to heal us, to make us, to mold us, to renew us and to revive us. And the Holy Spirit is eager to do it. 
for the glory of Jesus. Let's pray. Hi, I'm Jamal Williams, lead pastor of Sojourn in Midtown. Thanks for listening. At Midtown, we value gospel-centeredness, biblical faithfulness, transformative relationships, diverse fellowship, creativity in the arts, and relentless mission. For more sermons, info about our church, visit sojournchurch.com slash midtown.